you have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five. Welcome everyone to the Got Till 5 Wrestling Podcast with me, Max Curden, and my host, Jesse Patrick-Benz. Last me! We're back, and we're over one years old now. Second year, baby. Second year, start of the second year, and we're starting with a bang. Starting with a bang. This week's episode, we are doing top five cruiserweights of all time that can expand across any promotion. Um, we put this to the Got Till 5 Mokaway Universe... And we got a lot of responses, which we'll try and get to later in the show. Bunch of vanilla and, midgets. Yeah, exactly that. And it's a very subjective term when it comes to cruiserweights, so we'll see what happens. But before all of that, we have a guest with us. And I'm trying to set a goal to have a guest for every episode, which Jesse says I'm going to fail at. You're going to fail miserably because you're a lazy man. And it's, it's just it's not going to work. We started strong, though. This is good. There we go. So, joining us, uh, we've got Joe Prado from Mark and Mark Promotions joining us. Joe, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Very welcome. Now, Joe, am I right in understanding, because I, I listened to a podcast earlier, and I'm fairly certain it was you. You run a podcast as well. Sure, yes, on, Mar- on Mark and Mark's page, yeah. Exactly. So, would you like to be referred to as Smoking Joe for the rest of the Sure, sure. Keep it in gimmick. It's all good. Smoking Joe, Joe Prado, whatever. Smoking Joe with Tyler B. Bad. Exactly. That's your co-host. Exactly. I didn't realize that... we were, I didn't realize we were getting a competitor on. I didn't realize that we were going to have to fight for podcast love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're good. I think there's enough out there. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's very true. I've got to ask: Is Tyler B. Bad a nod to um, the WCW wrestler? That Jesse is quite obsessed with. Um. Well, yeah. Kind. It's just I like the way it sounds. So the way it worked out, me and Tyler are cousins, and um, we were t- a tag team for the longest time, and we we never won a match. And uh, so he turned on me, and he we have the same last name, and we wrestle here in Tampa, where where our family is. And he was like, I, I'm not. I'm dropping the Prado last name. So I was like, uh, uh, well, you're a bad guy. Okay, Tyler, be bad. And I, I took it from Johnny, be bad, obviously. But um, but it's not like he's a mark for him or anything. I had to show him, hey, this is where I got this from. Right, okay. <laughs> I like that. So you have you got a background in wrestling, or what's the story with that? Uh, n- n- kind of, sort of. So my dad wrestled on the independent circuit in the 90s. Um, he was trained by Dean Malenko. Uh, oh amazing yeah yeah so when i'm a kid i'm like six seven eight years old going to the malenko school here in tampa and um just watching my dad but so i've always been around it and stuff and i i i haven't officially been trained or anything like that but um gotten in the ring and we do a charity show once a year um so i can put on one match but i can't like put on a match with a guy that i've never touched before or anything like that i feel like Dean malenko is such a incredible wrestler that you don't even have to be trained by it. you just stand near him and like good wrestling sure, sure. sort of comes out of his paws and goes into you sure not to jump forward but in the cruise weight talk i'm a big homer big big homer for him so. <laughs> nice i imagine he's going to get bought up quite a bit i think he will he's one of my so. favorite wrestlers of all time i'm absolutely yeah. obsessed 
So I think that'd be a good link. Now you mentioned the charity events you did or you do yearly, which brings us on to why you're here. Um, To our listeners in the Florida area, I know there's quite a few of you. Uh, The reason we're sitting here and talking with Joe is because uh, Mark and Mark Promotions are putting on an event on October 19th, which is a Friday, and it's called Bowling with Brawlers. And it's a meet and greet bowling spectacular. You got WWE, WCW, ECW legends, and you're raising money for a great cause. I feel like I nailed that description, but like if you want to give more details, you know, go ahead. That, that was that was a pretty good plug. Yeah. Um, basically, so what we do is we put on different wrestling themed fundraisers. This is our second event. Our first one was actually a wrestling show. We had a bunch of the Florida's best wrestlers around. We had Haku. We had Gangrel. Um. And uh, what we do with the funds is we take underprivileged families to WWE's major pay-per-views. We were able to take four families, nine kids, um, over to SummerSlam in Brooklyn, get them tickets, merchandise, meet some of the wrestlers. We're just trying to bring a wrestling experience to somebody who who otherwise couldn't do that. Um, So that's what we're doing with this uh, Bowling with Brawlers event. Fans could go to it. Um, But also what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring 100 underprivileged children um wrestling fans to go to the event too by getting them sponsored you can sponsor them on on at mark and mark 316 um all the information's on there but um trying to give them an opportunity to do something that they wouldn't be able to if it wasn't for us stepping in exactly it's an awesome event it's an awesome promotion idea to to give kids the opportunity that they wouldn't be able to do before Mm -hmm. and you can bowl with people such as raven owlsworth Hornswoggle, Warlord, yeah. uh, Sevilla Vega, Lanny Poffo's there. I, I think it's, you've got a sick lineup there. It's, That's it's, awesome. It's quite an odd lineup too, but it, I do think it it's is. good. But it's like... <laughs> <laughs> so I, it, the way I understand it working is that everyone gets to bowl with, uh, with one of the wrestlers, right? Exactly. Um, the, the kit, the, the, you're going to go through there and you're going to be able to do the meet and greet, take pictures, sign autographs. Um, you're going to be able to do that with them. But then afterwards, you guys are going to – all the competitors were bull. And based on your score, the first round, based on your score, the highest score gets to pick who they want to bowl with first, the highest team score. And then um, once we get set up in the teams with the legends, you, everyone will bowl again. And the high, the winning team, including the legends score, will win $1,000 for a charity of their choice and a, repl- a pair of replica tag team titles. I've been seeing the promo videos, and the promo videos are making me laugh. I like them. Oh, man, it, they're hilarious, especially I get to go out there and film them with these guys, and they're great. Yeah, definitely. So so how did this kind of setup come about? Because it's not easy to put on charity events and get such big names behind it. Like, what, what was the start of it all? So when I was doing it, I was trying to think of something different, because I've always had success. I've done the wrestling shows once a year. And we do have three, four hundred people in there. We we it's a pretty good success. Um, but I was trying to think of something different, an experience where these guys could come in and meet all these wrestlers, and the the wrestlers don't have to go and bang up their body either, you know, because it's, it's a lot of moving moving factors when it goes into a wrestling show. So this, once we get everybody there, the show it's not even so much a show. So it's kind of easier for everything to go smoothly. Um, I hope. Um, it's my first time doing one like this, so I'm not 100% sure. But, um, and, and the wrestlers really, for the most part, want to help. They find out what we're doing, and you know, we still want to take care of them because as much as it is for the fans, we want to make sure these guys that um, 
you know, haven't had the easiest life in the world for the most part. We want to take care of them too. So it's kind of a win-win for everybody. Yeah, definitely. Because I can see um, Owlsworth is really, really invested in this at the moment. Oh, he's, what he's been posting. He's awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Awesome. So if this one ends up being a massive success, which I'm sure it will, um, would you consider doing one in the future for underprivileged podcast hosts, maybe British ones, sure. that interview you? <laughs> Um, because this sounds awesome and I would like to do it. Yeah, absolutely. We might be able to work that out. I'll also have to look at all the bylaws <laughs> and stuff and see. <laughs> uh, so, so you had the SummerSlam fundraiser last time. Um, how was that, like going to SummerSlam and it, taking the families and stuff? It was – one of the hardest things about this whole process is, you know, you know, there's a lot of things that go into you got to raise money. you got to um, pretty much knock on people's door and go, hey, I'm doing this event. I need your help. Um, um, you've got to make sure the event goes on good. You've got to deal with the wrestlers, deal with the buildings. Um, but the hard, hardest thing actually is finding underprivileged wrestling fans. There's no, like, there's no, I've got everything set up, but I have no kids to take to this event. I'm going, oh, my goodness. So when we, we had no, we, we were having, we were really struggling with the right people to take to this event, finding them. And um, we reached out to all the wrestlers pretty much in the WWE. And, you know, they, they get a million emails and DMs and stuff like that. But one of them was actually um, reached back out to us and said they'd be glad to help us find the, some candidates to take the SummerSlam. Titus O'Neil stepped in, um, helped us out tremendously. He gave me um, phone numbers to people from different organizations in Brooklyn that helped underprivileged families. Um, they were able to identify some wrestling fans for us. Got us all out there. Um, it was really great. We gave them tickets. They, moms were crying. Um, kids yes. were high-fiving. It was just a really cool experience. And I, I thought it was done. I thought we were done there. But then Titus set it up to for us to uh, go backstage, meet Seth Rollins, meet Stephanie McMahon, and obviously Titus O'Neil, and uh, take pictures. And it, it was just really an experience of a life, lifetime, to be honest. That's insane. And from your standpoint as well of not sure. expecting that, sure, you must sure. like, yeah. whoa, man. But I, I love Titus. The amount of work he does for like charities and kids' events, it's insane. Titus O'Neil might go... If you look at Titus O'Neil's... In, the character, the wrestling character, obviously there's not, not that many highlights throughout his career. Um, he might go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he. I mean, the stuff he does... Yeah, as we said, you know, the, how, just what a good dude he is. He just yeah. he always seems to be doing stuff like this. It's amazing. And he lives in Tampa, where I'm from, and we see he's in, he's in the news all the time, all the time. That's cool for, for good reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, have you got any? Because um, this is the second one, right? So you did the SummerSlam one, and then there's this one. Um, oh, any any nerves? Or anything you're kind of worried about um, this being a first time well, bowling event? Sure, I I am. The thing I'm most worried about is I just want it to be a success as far as like a good time and helping out. If we if we are if we're able to profit off of it, if we're you know if we if we're some break even off of it, great. But it's a right now where we're at with it. Even if we're losing a little bit of money, but going hey, look at all these kids we helped. I'm okay with it. You know, I just I'm I'm trying to get the momentum with this whole thing going. Um, I just want to inspire people and, you know, bring people out and go, hey, those guys, I don't know if they made money, lost money, what, but that event was a good event. 
So I'm learning along the way. So hopefully I'm thinking it's going to be a success, but you, you never 100% know until game time. Well, you'll be fine, man. Like you say, you're making you're making memories, aren't you? That's exactly. the most important bit. And yeah, it sounds like you're absolutely nailing it in that regard. These kids are going to remember this for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. Oh, could you imagine just like if we were younger and you get to go bowling with wrestlers? Well, I'm a bit I'm a bit annoyed. I'm not more underprivileged, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesse. Um, but yeah, you've got uh, an absolutely great crowd there. Um, will you be partaking in the bowling yourself? Um, no, for two reasons. One. Um, one, I, uh, I'm going to be busy bouncing around and stuff like that. And I don't want to win because, you know, it's kind of, I don't want to <laughs> tag title the, the guy who put the show on, you know, that'd be very WCW of you. If you did exactly, that. Exactly. Exactly. Or very I, Cody Rhodes last month. Yeah. yeah. Which by the way, I like WCW. I believe Jesse likes it. Max doesn't. Yes. WCW is like one of my favorite things. WCW is so good. So underrated because the great thing with wrestling is even if it's bad, it's entertaining. Like bad wrestling is good wrestling. It's, um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big WCW guy. But what what was what was I trying to answer there? Uh, whether you be a part of the event, but you be too. Oh busy. no, I'm a horrible athlete. I I won eight five. Oh dear, yeah, I'm not much yeah. of a bowler myself. I like I wouldn't be able to be any use to the kids. I need to have the, um, what are they called? Like the barriers either side so that it doesn't the go bump. into the gutter. Yeah, the bumper, they need to be up for me. But you always have to do that walk of shame to the guy working there to put them up for you. And it's well, just I'm, embarrassing. I'm making the rules for this tournament. You know, we got to make sure we have all the rules set up and stuff. And the bumper question came up because there's going to be some kids playing and stuff. Is there an age limit to where we could put the bumpers up? Or... Because we have Hornswoggle there, do we make it a height limit? So that, ah, like, interesting. You know, like I'm not exactly sure how to how to make how to do that. Because I imagine Warlord could pretty much just fire him down there with no issue. He's a big boy. He's exactly. a big boy. He's a big boy. Talking of um, WCW quickly and the Warlord, um, I got very confused when I was a kid watching WCW when NWO first became a thing. And they were saying New World Order. I thought they were saying New Warlord. And I thought they were like, I thought they were going to reveal the Warlord. as like the big boss of the NWO. But it, it turns out that I was just a stupid little English kid that couldn't understand American accents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, moving away from the event, like you mentioned kind of your history of wrestling uh, with what your dad did and stuff. So, mm-hmm. has it always just been like your passion? It's just always been around you and it's just... That's just always lived with you. It's um, it's always it. So I'm 30 years old. So I, the first pay per view I remember, like saying, "Hey, we have to order," is the SummerSlam where it was Undertaker versus Undertaker. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I want to say that's '94. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah. And uh, ever ever since then, it's just I don't want to say it's been everything because during like high school. I maybe I maybe that I was the most out of it, but I've always, you know, I'm I'm I know what happens on the pay per views, you know. I've always, you know, I I started going to WrestleManias at 24, and I've been to seven of the ten, um, oh, wow. or nice. seven since then. Um, but um, yeah, it's and I figured it's never going away, so might as well do something with it, you know. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've. This is sort of why this podcast exists as well. I mean, we're not yeah. helping anyone <laughs> like you are, but um, <laughs> we're hindering more than anything. We're hindering more than helping. But yeah, it's just sort of you know, me and Max have been talking about wrestling obsessively with each other for years, and we thought, well, let's just see if anyone else is interested in what we blather on about every day. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. I, I one time like four years ago, I started with like a group of eight of my friends a fantasy wrestling league. Like um, fantasy football and like there's points for like pay-per-view wins and main event wins. And I was like, this is ridiculous. This is the, d- it, it was fun. It was fun. I was like, but let me put this energy into, su- into to something that's actually <laughs> good. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, we're, uh, we're not going to keep you too long. We're going to bombard you with a top five in a minute off the top of your head. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, just give us a rundown of the event and uh, we'll go from there. So what sure. what top five should we subject on him, Jesse? What should we make Joe answer? Um, well, he's a WCW fan. I like that. Um, so we could do something related to that, could we? Sure. You down with that? Okay. Well, we we often say top five favorite wrestlers for guests, don't we? So we could say top five favorite WCW. Yeah. Sure. Easy. Um, easy. Gold. We'll make you do another one if you do it too easily. Sure. Goldberg. Um... Dean Malenko. Now, top my favorite, like favorite, like that I watched, right? Like, yeah. yeah, favorite, the ones that connected with you the most. Okay, I won't say Ric Flair just because I wasn't watching it. You know what I mean? I could say Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, um, but like they weren't my favorite going up. And when I watched it, it was like going back. So I'm going with Goldberg, definitely. Dean Malenko, definitely. Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Um, was he, he maybe the best bad guy of all time because I'm eight years old. I mean, yeah. He was just awesome. Um, Goldberg, Dean Malenko, Hollywood, Hulk Hogan. Um, DDP was pretty good. I, I, I did like DDP a lot. And um, I'm going to have to, I'm, I think I'm going to have to say Raven. I, there was a time where I really liked Raven. Yeah, That's cool, yeah. I was well into Raven's flock in WCW. Thought yeah. they were awesome. Underrated faction of all time. They don't talk. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did have a heroin addict in it, so I suppose you can't really bring it up anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised um, I'm surprised Disco Inferno was missing from that list, to be honest. Stop. I, desp- I don't think <laughs> he's famous. Ah, I... oh, Disco Inferno. That well, I, knew, I just knew I just knew you wouldn't like him. I could just tell. There, that character lasted a long time. I know. Too, yeah, too long. And it was bad back then. Yeah, absolutely. It was dated. Yeah, it was dated in the early 90s. Like. Sure. <laughs> oh, no love for Disco Inferno. Oh, that poor Disco. Yeah. Come on, come on. All right, uh, Joe, if you could uh, give us a rundown of the event again. Everyone who listens in Florida, or just America, it's not that big a country. You can make the trip. Sure. sure. (laughs) Stop being selfish. Yeah, stop being selfish and think of the kids. Sure, it's Tampa, Florida, October 19th, Bowling with Brawlers, at Mark and Mark 316 on pretty much everything. Um, If you can make it, that's great. With all the proceeds, we're going to be sending underprivileged uh, families, wrestling fans to Survivor Series. If you can't make it, you could um, if you if you go to our any of our social media, you could find out how you could sponsor a family. It's pretty easy. A hundred dollars gets a child and their guardian to the event. Um, our goal is to send a hundred of them, um, and it's it's a really good event. And we hope to have more of them around the country too. Especially like when we go to Survivor Series, we're hoping to have a signing, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, 
and stuff like that. But um, Bowling for Brawlers at Market Mark 316. Um, if you can't donate, if you if you can't donate, help us promote it by sharing it, um, telling your friends. You know, any type of donation helps us out. Exactly, guys. Awesome. It's a great cause. It's really, really awesome what you guys are doing. We're going to have all the links on our social medias um, and on the websites as well. So after you've done listening to this podcast, go to the Twitter, and all the links will be there for you guys to help out if you want to. Will be amazing. Uh, yeah, man. Joe, you're doing the Lord's you. work, brother. Yeah, Thanks, I really appreciate it, guys. Yeah, Joe. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we wish you all the best. And uh, keep us up to date with how it all goes. We will. I think. I think I found a new. Be- I think I found new podcast buddies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you definitely have. Thanks so much, guys. <laughs> Cheers, guys. That was nice. That was nice, wasn't it? More friendly chap, right? I didn't realise really good stuff. Yeah, for some reason, I thought that this was an event that was happening in Brighton, and it was a British dude. Oh, sorry. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't realise that this was, like, all American at that. But, yeah, yeah, no, it was cool. I like when I read off the list of names, you went, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that was cool. I like that. That was a really sweet, nice little interview. Like, I think that'll come across really nicely. Yeah, genuine. Yeah. yeah Something you different. Like a nice guy. No. Yeah, uh, exactly. yeah, I like him. Made a friend, another friend for life. That's what we're doing with this podcast. There we Friends go. for life. We're making, we're, like he's doing with the kiddies, we're making memories, but just for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I like that you try to wangle your own invite to take an invite from one of the 100 children. <laughs> I thought that was quite funny, what I said. <laughs> of course you did. Uh, let's get on with the show. <laughs> All so, right, can I run downstairs and grab a beer first? I'll be 20 seconds. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I'll be 20 seconds. So that was our conversation with Joe. As we mentioned at the top of the episode, we are doing top five cruiserweights. But oh. I haven't actually asked you, Justin. You right, there, mate? Yeah, I just had a sip of a nice fruity beer. I like fruity beer. It's nice. It's called... Um, oh, it's all written in graffiti writing, so I can't read it properly. Oh, is um, it like the Tiny Rebel? Deep... No, 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 no. Um, deep Staff, I think. It's got a dude that looks like Jesus on it. Nice. Um, I like by the by the Half Acre Beer Company. It's oh. it's very nice. We're not sponsored by them, but it's very tasty. <laughs> Sound like Jim Lee getting on here. <laughs> talk about beer. I know, right? right? Well, I'm in my new beautiful new house now, which has a, a very hipstery shop that Jim would love, just around the corner, full of fancy beers. You That's know what? what next time you see him at the attack show, you should tell him. Just drag him up to your house. <clears throat> oh, I will. I've got a cellar as well, so he won't last long. <laughs> um. So yeah, good way to kick off the start of the podcast. Um, Jesse was well behaved, so thank I you for I that. Know, I didn't say anything inappropriate. You didn't say anything. Oh, shut up! I said a little bit. <laughs> I peppered, um, I peppered it with um, humour. I think that's sort ah, of my role, isn't it? It but, is. That's, that's yeah, what you do. Yeah, but that was fine because you, you did have a stern word with me saying, "Look, this guy does charity for kids, and it's like you know he's a really good person, and um, I don't want don't be his you. goodness to be." defiled by your evil which is fair enough <laughs> so, so i tried to keep the evil in oh we've still got another hour on the podcast left so we'll see what happens um, <laughs> it was sort of it was like my head like my head was like just coming out like venom and then sucking back in <laughs> oh. uh, but i didn't get to ask you at the top of the top of the show are you okay everything all right 
I'm good. I'm still in my lovely new house. Not over it yet. It's so cool. Um, I've been playing a lot of darts in my cellar. Um, I uh, uh, did, about did, did you what? did you did you lose a game of darts, Jesse? I may have lost a game of darts, and I may have lost it to my mother, which is um, I don't know if it's the ultimate shame or not because I don't know what why I'm annoyed about that because she's like you're supposed to your aim in life is supposed to be to surpass your parents, right? Yeah. So I'm still on that journey, and that's cool because that means my life has meaning. That's true. I'm not going to say anything go. about your mother on this episode because I got in trouble last time. So uh... Yeah, she sent you a message, didn't she? You called her rough on the got... birthday episode. In a complimentary way. <laughs> You're delightfully rough. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Sorry, you are going to pick pick a bone with me. Go on. Oh, I wasn't. No, it's not picking a bone. Um, so last night, I went for a drink with a um, friend called Chris. Listener. And... He's, he is a listener, um, but he's become a friend. So, because these sort of things happen, and to me, no one else. And um, he's lovely. But we were chatting. He, so um, he was like, you know, he was talking about how great the podcast is. Obviously, saying how amazing we are, um, saying how we've helped him through a pretty rough year as well. On a serious note, which is awesome. Like this, um, it's cool. That's what we do it for. Like, yeah, he listens to us when he's down, and it makes him feel better. And what what more can you ask for? I know what money, money, um, but. <laughs> Uh, but no lovely bloke uh, we were chatting and he obviously knows your voice very well um but he's never met you and um he only saw pictures of you quite recently and he was very surprised because he um, he <laughs> thinks you've got the voice of a fat man oh really yeah he think he, he was picturing every he's been listening to the podcast for like a year and he's pictured you as a fat man brilliant so this happens quite this happens quite a bit with my voice so i will often get it always used to be when I had jobs where I'd work on, like, the phone. So when I used to work at, like, um, a famous optical company's head office, I'd be on the phone with these people in branches, and they'd be like, oh, your voice. It's such a nice voice. And they're like, do you mind if I add you on Facebook? And I'm like, sure. The minute they add me on Facebook and they get a look at me, all interest goes. Yeah, like, oh, God, he's got a head like a mushroom. So if I could date um... in the dark, I'd be set <laughs> for the rest of my life. Yeah, nice. But But you say that, but, I mean... It's being counteracted because Chris thinks you sound fat. Yeah, women think I'm attractive, men think I'm fat. What's up with that? I think you're fat. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, apparently you sound like a fat man. That's interesting. Cool. But well, I'll try told... and gain some weight and then uh, match the voice. Yeah, there you go. Um, I, I've told Chris that next time um, you come visit me here, that um, I will introduce you to each other. And I've said it on air now, so it has to happen. Cool. And we're going to charge him for the for the pleasure, right? Oh, obviously, yeah. We'll cool. set up a Patreon account just just for that meeting (laughs) (laughs) oh sounds good but thank you for listening chris it's awesome that we can kind of help in any way and we have received messages like that on twitter as well and it's it's nice it it makes us feel like we're doing some good in the community even if we aren't helping underprivileged families exactly that yeah well done chris you're a good mate exactly so but for now jesse benz um we've got to do a top five You, you interested did you want to do one yeah i do um i haven't asked you how you are how are you oh yeah i'm good Okay, great. Um, so the top five. Um, uh, back to business. We did our lovely birthday. We've just interviewed a saint, and now um, we do top five cruiserweights. Cruiserweights defined however the hell we want it to be. Yeah, because we got into this argument when we did the mid card episode, and I didn't want that again. So just told you all to shove it, and you listened. Which is yeah. why, which is why we're mean to you because you just take it. <laughs> it's it's not good. But uh, oh yeah, speaking of the anniversary episode. 
oh, insanely popular. Thank you for everyone who downloaded it and listened to oh, it. Yeah, it, right. Massive episode. It's weird because the whole episode was basically us just being self congratulatory wankers, and yeah. and people they loved it, it, which is great. Yeah, we should do that more. We should just circle jerk ourselves every episode <laughs> we'll i think we stars. do that anyway jesse i think we do that anyway um but yeah thank you so much to everyone who uh, checked that out if you're a new listener and you stuck with it to this episode welcome hi yeah hi top, year top. two or the start end of yeah like the beginning of year two yeah mate yeah here's the drop five four three two one zero are you ready oh hell yeah you fans can stick it, brother! Who's your daddy, Montreal? Tell me he didn't just say that. And there it is. There was the drop. The drop hasn't changed. New Year, same old drop. Boring. We ain't going to change, mate. We ain't good. That's too good a drop. I'm never changing that. Yeah, no, it episode. is good. It is good. Hundredth episode. We'll have a rebrand. Mean. I love it when that's my favourite bit of pretty much anything ever. When um, the guitar riff drops in and the drums go double time with Ric Flair going mean. Probably Woo, the greatest you. thing I've ever achieved in my life. It's amazing. It never doesn't like make me headbang every time i hear it i'm like yeah this is fucking awesome <laughs> 30 second headbang so <laughs> t- top five cruiserweights uh this can be from any company wwe wcw ring of honor tna new japan um dragon the- gate dragon gate i wonder who you've got in your list then. <laughs> spoilers um cruiserweight wrestling is very important to me it's what made me kind of get the tingles for wrestling quite a bit when um i also like that he said i hated wcw when did that happen i think um because you ridiculed me for liking it so much it comes Ah, across that you hated you know what i mean yeah no for fans i do like wcw i I watched it before jesse did um but they have to know you only watched it like last year Shut up! No, I was watching it when I was a kid, like Shut on up. and off. I, I didn't like it that much when I was a kid, but I watched it a bit. I thought Sting was some weird, like third brother of Kane and Undertaker. You did? I didn't understand. That. I don't. I don't. I don't know how that got in my head, but um, yeah, so, that that was there. Who did you think was in the NWO again? <laughs> um, I thought the Warlord, Warlord was gonna. Yeah, <laughs> New World Order. <laughs> Get your hearing checked, mate. <laughs> new world. But when when Hulk Hogan's like, this is the new world order of wrestling, brother. Ah, I was like, true. oh God, they're going to they're gonna bring out Warlord and he's going to be like this amazing <laughs> new leader. Oh, I much prefer your world of wrestling. Makes me very happy. <laughs> uh, so if we have a crossover, I think we're going to be playing our favourite drop, uh, which everyone has appreciated. Rey Mysterio's WWE debut. When he goes for the 619 for the first time, he yells... And it's hilarious. It's brilliant. I, when I brought that up, right, was it on the Kurt Angle show, I think, that it came uh, and, yeah. um Something like that. And um, I thought it was like a commonly known thing, but everyone it's blown everyone's minds that yeah. Rey Mysterio did that on his debut. I think I thought we've had everyone knew. more messages about that than anything else. <laughs> Ever. Actually, that, and I got a lot of messages. I got a lot of personal messages from people after I made the Chris Benoit Swings and Roundabouts joke last week. <laughs> yeah, that was too far. I've personally, yeah, I, I've never received, like, personal messages from people, like, either 
um, congratulating me or um, just sending me abuse. That's happened just from that one little joke, which was quite a milestone for me. <laughs> you found your limit now, haven't you? No. Okay, good, good. good. <laughs> um, would you like to kick us off with your uh, fifth favourite? Oh yeah, by the way, we're doing our personal favourites because we were going to do Greatest Cruiserweights of All Time, but then we realised that would be quite a boring list because everyone knows what it is. But if you look at it's... my top five, it's pretty much the Greatest Cruiserweights of All Time from number three down. Mine's kind of, yeah, I don't know what mine is. It's, I suppose mine kind of is as well. Um, but um, I think actually I would say four of mine are legitimately like the greatest cruiserweights of all time and my number five which i can kick off with now might not be considered that but i have a real soft spot for him let's do it baby are we ready so i'll go first eh hey hey okay um my number five is um matt hardy but specifically matt hardy v1 nah. very nice from 2000 and Three. Yes. Um, and yeah, so sort of end of 2002 to 2003, the brand split happened. Matt went to SmackDown. Jeff stayed on Raw. Um, Matt turns heel. Suddenly, do you remember when the Hardys were together and everyone thought Matt was a waste of space and Jeff was the super talented one? Yes. Right. And then it turns out that, as we know now, Matt is the superior, talented, awesome one. And Jeff is just like an absolute waster idiot who looks like he sits in cafes and discusses thought. And he, Matt Hardy proved um, when he started this version one stuff, it was just so ridiculous. And like that whole entrance with the Matt facts and all that stuff. And it was, oh my God, this guy's got a personality and he's really good on the mic. And he's always been solid in ring. And obviously he's gone on to um, recreate himself. He was Big Money Matt and um, Broken Matt, all that stuff. All of it's got over. But it all started with one stuff, with Shannon Moore as his little MFer and that. Um, just brilliant. I just thought he was really, really good in that role. And I also feel sorry for him because he, it was when he was in this sort of moment of his career that the whole Edge Leader shit went down. Yes. And... Um, <laughs> like you look at there's no there's no god man there's no wrestling god anyway you look at how edge came out of that feud just smelling of roses right and it, matt just went on to nothing it turned edge into an absolute superstar yeah fucking meter it's the best thing he could have ever done for his career and poor matt it just completely ruined his um you know his life and he got nothing out of it and he's obviously doing well now but for a long time he wasn't um, so I feel sorry for him on that regard. <laughs> but the cruiserweight aspect is probably the best... Cru- well, they never used to do cruiserweight storylines. It was always just in there, and then you chuck some guys in, and it's great. But they actually did a storyline out of this where Matt had to get down to cruiserweight weight because he was considered a heavyweight at the time. And the backstage skits that he used to do with Shannon Moore, where I mentioned this to Benji when he was telling me he was losing weight, when uh, Matt used to wear the bin bags and just eat the, the banana smoothies... <laughs> yeah they were amazing and they he, were funny he used to wrestle in the bin bags as well for a while i remembered that yeah to lose weight and uh, interesting fact about shannon moore um he um uh, they actually divorced a few years ago but he married um droz's ex-wife really yeah what a strange tasted blokes that lady must have yeah because yeah remember when shannon moore went like all after the mf stuff he went all punky and goffy and got into a tattoo yeah, studio pathetic. and stuff yeah that was weird yeah yeah but yeah he didn't he 
didn't have the machismo. But you got really invested when Matt finally got down to the weight class and he eventually won the Cruiserweight title. It was awesome. And the most memorable match I can think of and think anyone can remember is WrestleMania 19, Matt Hardy versus Rey Mysterio. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was great. It was really, really good, um, really good match. Great opener to the show. Um, great, and then um, a few months later, he actually moved to Raw. Um, in real life, he moved to Raw because he wanted to be with Lita. Uh, but um, uh, he, in storyline, he got transferred over, and he they just put him on this massive losing streak. And all of a sudden, he became quite a lovable babyface because he was losing every week and just trying so hard to get back on track. Yeah. And then the whole Kane stuff happens. Do you remember? Um, oh, yeah. Kane rapes Lita yep. <laughs> and impregnates her with uh, the devil's child. And um, Matt Hardy suddenly becomes this great baby face in what I, I have to say, I remember it being a pretty solid feud that I was invested in, the Kane-Matt Hardy stuff. Yeah, I remember the uh, the choke slam from the top rope. I always remember that, and I thought that was really cool. Um, and I remember, I think it was a vengeance. So for... A th- think um where matt hardy actually beats kane in a one-on-one match like with a quick roll-up or something and i remember being so happy for matt hardy that he'd beaten him because it felt like it was a proper like wrestling at his best right like proper soap opera just so over the top silly storyline but yeah when he got that quick win over kane it was like fuck this is amazing yeah it was, it was incredible um and i sent you the message that um when snitsky punted lita's baby um, it would be 14 years old now if he hadn't punted it. That's terrifying. I know. Uh, non-wrestling fans right now are going, what the... F- they punted a what baby? Yeah. <laughs> what is... What's but, happening? It couldn't have been a better punt either. Like, that drop kick on that doll was just incredible. But it's... Yeah, that's... We've been... Um, <laughs> we, man, we've been, we've been watching this rubbish for a very long time long. If, um, if, if Kane Elite's um, demon child would be 14 now and we were well into our wrestling fandom when it was a fetus yeah we we might need to stop this should we just call it quits now <laughs> let's get, let's get good night everybody yeah, okay let's, let's call the whole thing off <laughs> nice that was cute um, good choice good choice um, yeah Matt Hardy was actually in my honourable mentions list so good shout boy there you go uh, we've mentioned my number five already <clears throat> the heroin addict known as Billy Kidman Billy Kidman from um, yeah Raven's Flock. Um, are we talking? What's your favourite Billy Kidman? WCW Kidman or uh, WWF Kidman? It's very difficult to pick. There's a very small window of when WE used Kidman correctly in in WE, and he's fantastic in that. Uh, most notably, I was going to mention this later on, but the Vengeance match uh, with him and Ray against the world's greatest tag team. Ah, it's such a good match. One of the really underrated. Yeah, match. one of the best tag team matches of the WWE modern era. It's incredible. But um... <laughs> I love that you view 2003 as the modern era. <laughs> Shit, it was all 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, Billy Kidman in WCW though was great. I always used to see Billy Kidman as like the top guy in the cruiserweight division. He wasn't. But in my head, no. him and him, Ray and Eddie were like the, the top guys. They were the coolest guys. And I, I thought Billy Gibbon was just way more popular than he was. Um, he held the title, Cruiserweight title, for quite a long time. 157 days, four reigns. Four reigns, I say. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, as we said, he entered WCW a bit generic. Um, joined Raven's Flock. Character, very poor hygiene. Was a heroin addict. Uh, <laughs> his finishing move to shoot and stuff press was called the seven-year itch. 
which I never understood as a kid, but now yeah. it's very clear. He eventually left um, the flock when everyone went, oh, he's a good cruiserweight, he can fly around a bit. And he just went on a huge tear holding the cruiserweight title, um, and then him and Ray started to hold the cruiserweight tag team titles and the actual tag team titles, Filthy Animals, one of the best tag teams of all time, and it's, yeah, I love Kidman. And when he came to WE, the he he had such a good, was it a year, two years? Must have been two years, because he did all he of his had, stuff yeah. teaming with Ray, and then he had the stuff with, like, Paul London. I enjoyed the Paul London stuff as well. That was cool. Do you remember when he nearly killed Chavo Guerrero? Yes. When he did that shoot with Star Press, and his knee just drove straight into Chavo's head. Well, I read something earlier, and I don't know how much truth is there is to this, because I couldn't be bothered to fact-check, but I'm going to say it on air. Uh, I'll know. I've got autistic memories for things <laughs> I might know. Well, apparently, um, if Kidman didn't like who he was working with or they upset him, he'd intentionally botch his shooting Star Press to make it hurt them. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> it seems quite slanderous to assume. It does, so we but, won't say um, that. Um, but yeah, no, he had a great but I have run. to say, I have to say, his shooting star press um, always looked quite dangerous to me. Mm. The way he... It's sloppy as fuck. Of, he, doesn't, he, doesn't get, he doesn't get any air from no. it, does he? He just sort of spins. And it's, yeah, if, it always looked a bit dodgy If you me. watch it, because I watched quite a few earlier, just, just for my own amusement, he, um, he does yeah. kind of like, just dives headfirst to the floor and then just turns himself that's all he does he just, just eh, hopes for the best yeah exactly yeah. Um, also Billy Kidman love his spine do you remember his spine buster where he just used to do a double oh, hand oh the BK bomb yeah great great move BK bomb was dope yeah it was really good and Billy Kidman um, in WF um, was a really good heel if I remember right as well I believe he turned heel on Chavo after that injury spot so he injured Chavo and then they did this storyline where um, Chavo came back and Billy Kidman was like, oh, I'm really sorry, I feel so terrible. And then eventually Kidman turned heel on him and uh, made Chavo look like a bitch. But, and, and I think he turned heel on Paul London as well, didn't yes. he? Yes, yeah, he definitely did. Um, when London. they were a tag team. He, uh, yeah. destroyed him. I always, um, tell me if you think this as well, Billy Kidman looks like an in-shape Ray Romano. <laughs> yes, he does. Okay, good. <laughs> he does. Just wanted to... Good. I mean, is, is Kidman still working as an um, agent backstage for WWE? Yeah, he works as a producer. Apparently his role yeah. is like the time guy. So he okay. times all the commercials and like makes sure there's no crazy stuff going on and makes sure the show... Pretty important job, really. Make sure the show runs on yeah. time. Um, it's so crazy that these wrestlers from the past that you remember fondly in that, like... So many of them transition into these jobs backstage, and they're just—I mean, Dimalenko being another example—and you just never see them. Like they never use them on telly or anything. They're just, but they're there every week doing their little backstage jobs. Now yeah. it's just mad, just isn't it? Older men in the back that we used to look up to. Um, I always find it yeah. weird when, whenever a fight happens, Finley comes out to break it up, and everyone just yeah, ignores that it's Finley. But Finley was huge yeah, no in WWE and previous to that as well. But it's just like no. No, it's fine. Jamie Noble comes out and does it a lot. The, the dude's a former Ring of Honor world champion. Yeah, it's mental. Um, also, another important Billy Kidman fact, which we didn't mention, he pinned Hollywood Hogan. That's Yes. Huge. He did. And he was married to Tori Wilson. Oh, yes. How could we forget? That's an important Billy Kidman fact. And, um, yes, well done, sir. Yeah. Billy Kidman. What was going on? What was... What was going on with Tori Wilson when she turned up at the Women's Royal Rumble um, last January? You mean that she looked like a completely different person? I, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't Tori Wilson. They just sent some hot girl out and 
played Tory Wilson's music and everyone just accept, assumed it was Tory Wilson. Well, this is what I don't get because normally when you get old and you get work done or you like you work on yourself, you don't you shouldn't look better than you did when you left. You shouldn't look better. No, than she you looked were, amazing. Yeah, she looked better. I thought than she did when she was younger. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't know, Jesse. I just don't know. I don't know. She, that Tory Wilson stable Playboy shoot got me through um, a lot of lonely teenage nights. I can imagine. I can imagine. It, it really did. And this was in. You know, it took. Um, you had to download these photos, and they were hard to find on the internet. And it took a long time, but it was worth it. <laughs> uh, I got nowhere to go with that. So Billy Kidman's my number five. Good. Um, my number four. Um, uh, recently made his return. It is um, formerly known as Neville, now known as Puck. Oh yeah, baby's back. Oh yeah, he's back. Um, I know we don't like to date these podcasts, but that literally happened like a couple of days ago in real time. Um, Neville! Uh, Neville is such a stupid name. Just makes me think of Neville Longbottom from Harry Potter. Well, that's what annoyed but... me, because he was Adrian Neville in NXT, and that was a, that was a pretty yeah, that cool was name. And then Neville... Yeah, Neville. Yeah, stupid. But um, always liked him. He one of my favorite. I believe we talked about it on an NXT show. Um, one of my favorite NXT matches of all time. I think it might have been my number one. Is Neville versus Sami Zayn? Yes. Um, which is just such a good match. Um, do you know what Neville's real name is? By the I way, don't. guess. What do you reckon? Just look at him and guess what you think his first name is. Keith. His real life first name. You reckon it's Keith? Yeah. It's Benjamin. Benjamin. He's not a Benjamin, is yeah. he? He does not look like a Benjamin. No, he doesn't. No. But I love. Um, I want more pictures of Neville, just general day to day life, because it doesn't stop being funny with his nerdy little buttoned up t- short sleeve t shirts and his glasses, and he's got the body oh, his polo of a neck goddess. All set up to the top. And it yeah. just doesn't. <laughs> I say goddess, god, body of a god. You say goddess. You're a weird Freudian slip. Do, do you remember when you said sexy boy? <laughs> Girl, boy, what? <laughs> Girl, boy, oh god, help me! Um, uh, yeah, no, Neville. Uh, so had he, Sami Zayn was obviously amazing in that match, but uh, but Neville is just Neville is just consistently awesome. We talk, we talk about shooting star presses and like Billy Kidman nearly killing people with them and stuff. Like Adrian Neville does shit like that. Adrian, see, I'm calling him that now. Um, Pac Neville does stuff like that every match. Just so many high spots, and I've never seen him botch once. He's smooth. He's so smooth with everything he does. He's he's in for a shout of um, being, I think, one of the most entertaining and one of the safest wrestlers at the same time, which is a very difficult thing to combine, I think. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, especially when you add in how high-risk his high-flying stuff is. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like, I mean, I've never seen anyone do a red arrow uh, well, no, Osprey does them now, doesn't yeah. he? But um, I, I'd never seen anyone do a Red Arrow before I saw Neville do it. And it's... I just don't understand that move. How do you move forward whilst backflipping and corkscrewing backwards, but you land on your stuff? It's mental. And I've never seen him... Yeah, never never seen him botch. Never seen him botch. And um, everyone thought he was a bit bland, didn't they? And then they turned him heel. Um, he was 205 Live, wasn't he, when he was on it, really? Oh, yeah. He was just a fantastic heel. He turned into an orc from Lord of the Rings. And just, it worked. It's amazing. And I love that he's kept that look now. When he turned up on Dragon Gate, he's got the same heel Neville look with the shaved sides of the head and stuff, which is I'm a big fan Can of. Can we just talk about, um, back to Neville's body, it's going to be a re- reoccurring factor. How good 
shape he was in when he returned to Dragon Gate. Yeah, amazing shape. Well, I, was, I suppose, like, obviously he's completely body obsessed and in the gym all the time. You can see that. But he's been able to do that without the added pressure of um, doing a WWE schedule. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So I imagine he's just been just yeah i imagine he's been in the gym like it's his full-time job just every day and the way he handled the we situation is um the way he did it he could have come across as a dick but he didn't you know he understood his worth and his worth wasn't being used so instead of just being pissy about it he went well i'm not gonna work then that could come across as a real dick move but he just made it work I think what's been good about, and i hope that i'm not proved wrong on this because obviously he has only just um appeared outside of wwe but he hasn't done any interviews or dished any dirt or anything like that and he, he just went radio silent for like a year and that was the correct way to do it i think and it's i, I really hope that he doesn't start going on podcasts and bad mouthing we and stuff like not that they don't deserve it but i, I feel like neville's just handled himself with such decorum it would be a shame if he did that. well if he comes on ours we won't make him dish we'll just uh, talk about his body Oh, well, yeah, okay. Um, can we make him dish while stroking his body? <laughs> yes, Jesse. Yes, we can. Um, no. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> no, ne- you're right. Neville is fantastic. It's um, His NXT work, if anyone's not... If they came into NXT when he after he got called up, go back and watch Neville matches, because there's the Fatal 4 ways, there's the ladder matches, there's the match with Sammy. Just his entire NXT title run is unreal absolutely unreal it was great first um i believe it's only him and champa isn't it so he was the first person to win the tag belt and the nxt title um in nxt yep. and now champa's done it as well i think that's it they're the only two people to have won all available titles in nxt at the time they were competing yeah yeah definitely um yeah you're right and then, as you say, when he went up to Raw, the minute he debuted on Raw and they announced him as Neville and I saw him wearing a cape, I just went, oh, shit. Not cape. But he, um, although there was that one amazing match. Um, do you remember his match against Seth Rollins when Seth was um, yes. the WWE champion and he did a open challenge to sort of mock Cena? And, but he said it had to be someone under five foot ten and less than 200 pounds or something like that. As it was like, oh, it's going to be... Um, do you remember the... What was that little bull called that was with Los Matadores? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember, but yeah, I know little bull. Yeah. Basically, yeah, the gag was that it, he was like the only wrestler that was uh, within the weight and height limits that Seth Rollins set. But no, because Neville comes out and he is in those as well. And it was such a good match. Um, and the best part of that match was the rope break. I was about remember? to say the when everyone thought that Neville had won the title... Oh. Yeah, and but yeah, the, and to, to the referees, the referee did it perfectly, didn't he? He sort of went down to hit the three, and he was like a millimeter off the mat, didn't hit the three. Everyone thought he'd won, and then no, Seth got his foot on the bottom rope. Just it was incredible. I think this might be this is the Raw after SummerSlam 2014. If anyone wants to find it on the network, the Raw straight after SummerSlam 2014 when this match happened, and it's awesome, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, I can only hope great things are going to happen for Neville. I'm sure they will. Everyone, every promotion I imagine is chomping at the bit to get him. I hope he gets to New Japan. I hope he wrestles Osprey. I hope I hope he wrestles everyone in New Japan. Imagine him versus Ishii. Like that'd be incredible. Just him Okada. Some amazing stuff could happen. Imagine if he was Neville in Lij's um, new member. New Japan. 
Yeah, well, um, I mean, the whole point of LIJ is that they're a Japanese faction, it is. right? So it would be weird not to have a Japanese person in it. But we'll see. But NATO's unveiling someone soon. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, we yeah, will. So and I think I also like that he went back to Dragon Gate. He could have gone like to any any of the big promotions straight off the bat, but he went back to where he was made. And I really like that. Yeah, that, that is very cool, cool. Little touch that he did. Okay, my number four, sticking in the realm of Japan, is Japan. <laughs> what? <laughs> Japan. Um, my my number four is one half of the Golden Lovers, Kota Abushi. Oh, good shout! He's not on my top five, but he absolutely should be. He didn't even enter my mind. I don't view him as a cruiserweight for some reason. I th- this, this is the whole um, subjectivity thing that we're on about. Um, he, to me, is um, sort of... I know he's not, but he feels like a... I mean, it feels wrong to say bigger deal, but do you know what I mean? It's true. He's always been... He's always hung around with the big boys, um, the main event guys in the scene. But, you know, he's a junior heavyweight champion. He's best of the super juniors. Um, yeah, cruiserweight classic. Cruiserweight classic. He's won um, cruiserweight titles in DDT as well. So I, I think it's fair to class him as a cruiserweight no, absolutely. Um, and yeah. as you mentioned, the Cruiserweight Classic, which put everyone's eyes on him, is, yeah, just ridiculous show of what he can do. I was so scared that Abushi was going to join Me WWE <laughs> when he was in the Cruiserweight Classic. I'm so glad that he hasn't. He's just carried on being crazy Abushi and just doing whatever the fuck he wants. It's brilliant. He wouldn't be able to control him. Mm. He's, he's a free spirit. Did you know that he's, he's from, like, the seventh richest family in japan or something mental like a crazy rich family and that's why he does this because he's already you know he doesn't have to work he's born into ridiculous wealth but he's a huge wrestling fan obviously incredibly talented at it and just wants to do it he just wants to be dropped on his head every day so (laughs) he just uses his wealth to travel the world and do that yeah completely and uh just look at any of his matches that he, he's had, and you, you're just going to find a classic. He can hang with the cruiserweights, and he can put on great matches. The best example from the cruiserweight classic with Cedric Alexander. Um, that, whoa, that match, good god! Yes, amazing match. That was the um, was that the police sign Cedric yes. match? Yeah, it was. Yes, everyone realized. And yeah, speaking of him good. hanging with um, bigger guys, Shinsuke Nakamura, Wrestle Kingdom. Um, the match where it was him and Kenny Omega against Devitt and Taguchi is another match that everyone should go and check out. Um, Got a great match out of Cody Rhodes yes. as well. The yeah, last yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird. I love Cody, but I don't love watching Cody. I agree. It's difficult, isn't it? <laughs> I, I love Cody as a person. Yeah. I think what he's doing, what he's doing in the business is incredible. I think he's a really cool guy. I love listening to him be interviewed. I think he's a very funny and charming dude. Um, his wrestling is uh, painfully average, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it just doesn't grab me. Like, when I was watching All In and, and the oldest match and stuff, like, the hype around it and the entrances was so cool, but, like, I was so bored in that match. It took him about 45 minutes to run a blade across yeah, his face. Yeah, exactly. Um, I didn't understand that blade job whatsoever. And it was, yeah, it was a very lacklustre match, but because of the moment, everyone's like, oh, it's the best match ever, it's the best match ever. It's really not. Yeah, you're sort of sucked into the um, sucked into the um, atmosphere, aren't you? Which is fine. I mean, if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. It doesn't matter what's making you enjoy it. But as far as yeah, it's just 
his his wrestling style just screams of um, the era he came up in in WWE when there was just nothing flashy going on and everyone was trained to just be as safe as possible. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like sort of post Benoit time, and it was like just be safe, just don't behave, hurt each other. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, that, and, he still, and he still wrestles like yeah. that now. But I, I feel I feel bad bitching about him because like we that do because love I think him, yeah. he's just one of the coolest dudes ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah I want yeah, nothing yeah. but the best for him. But back to Ibushi, um, he is being more of a staple in New Japan now, obviously with Golden Lovers and Kenny, and I, I just hope he stays this time. And he becomes... Does Golden Lovers, the, the name Golden Lovers, make you think of um, water sports? Yeah, 100%. Is it supposed to? I, is that the joke? I guess so. It is from DDT, so I would presume so. Yeah, okay. Because if that's the joke... I don't want to Google it. I, I'm just... No. I, <laughs> is I'm just, Golden like, Lovers water sport related? Like, <laughs> oh, God. I just think of them pissing on each other like every time I hear the name. But yeah, if that's what's intended, that's cool. But I was, I'm was, glad you think that as well, because I was thinking I can't be the only person. It, it, it's why I'll never buy Golden Lovers merch. Ever. No, right. And yeah, and it's ridiculous when, like, this is wrestling all over, isn't it? When you have, like, I was doing it with Chris last night. Like, you're having really serious talks about wrestling, and you're talking about the Golden Lovers. But <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in really serious terms, you know, and, like, how they're being booked and how they're doing and stuff. You think, this is fucking ridiculous. The Golden Lovers, what are we talking it's, about? It's probably the best storyline of this entire year. And... It's mm. really awkward to talk about. Yeah, I get that. Um, very excited to see where Kota goes in the future. Um, very glad he's not with WWE. Hope he never goes to WWE. And, Me too. Um, yeah, I'm, he's just fantastic. He's insane. He has no regard for himself or anybody else. And he's just a crazy, pretty Japanese man. He is. Um, he's got terrible teeth, which is a shame. That lets him down. I love that I pointed but... it out to you in a kind of like, you know, that glass-shattering moment of someone? <laughs> it did, yeah, it Sorry, was uh, the end of end of it for me. That's all right. Um, I think I've told you before. I don't think you've actually seen it yet, have you? Um, the um, three pictures I have framed on my wall. I've moved it into the new house. It's by the bathroom. Yeah, you've um, had that frame for a while. Let, letting fireworks off. Oh, you said it, yeah. have you? The Kurobushi letting off fireworks on himself. Yeah. It's it's nice. It's a good it's a good talking point when people come over and they see that <laughs> on the wall. You've got some weird talking points on your wall. You've got uh, Chris Benoit, Dynamite Kid, Kota Ibushi on fire. Yeah, yeah. Signed Dynamite Kid. That might be worth something one day. Who knows? <laughs> I doubt it. Hey, I said I said he was going to die. When did I say he was going to oh, die? Oh, we've passed that. It was early in the year. Oh no! Really? Do you want to do you want to go again? Seeing as we're relaunching, no. no, no, it's second year, so you you can relaunch your prediction. But it won't be. It will just feel hollow, even if I get it right, because I failed the first time. It will feel hollow. That's true. How about right now? Who do you think will be the next big wrestling death? Ooh, okay. Who's left? Um, <laughs> who would be the big next big wrestling death? Jake the Snake's never going to die. No, he'll outlive. Yeah, he'll outlive all of us. He's the he's the Keith Richards of wrestling. Isn't I'm it? trying to think of when our last big one was. Who was the last big wrestler to die? Nightheart. Yeah, Nightheart was the last one, wasn't it? We had Vader as well. Yeah, he was kind of a ticking time bomb, though. Yeah. No pun intended. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's a bit of a tough one. This one, I reckon, it would just be a surprise. You reckon? Yeah. Who, who have you got your money on? Our, Tony Atlas. Tony Atlas. Good call. Yeah, I reckon that's a good shout. Yeah, I like that. 
Yeah, I'm sticking with Tony Atlas. Right. You don't see. There's a thing with um, I, you, old people who bodybuild don't get old. No, true. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and um, and Tony Atlas is approaching old, and he's still a big dude. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm go. I'm going with Tony Atlas. I always think Kevin Nash is going to go before Scott Hall. Don't know why. Ah. Um, that's another difficult because old people, tall people, don't get old either. Yeah. And Nash is like seven foot, so mind you, um, Razor's what six eight or yeah. something. But yeah, they yeah they won't live like tall people. Just don't live long. I'm afraid. Sorry, well, Big Show's proven us wrong. But, he's in the best shape of his life. He's still a giant. Yeah, that's true. He's doing pretty well. Um, I'm sure he's miserable though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting in his little car. But um, <laughs> why would he have a little car? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you might read that bit in the where that the Simpsons. Giant yeah. <laughs> Are you laughing <laughs> at <laughs> my height? <laughs> That's Big Show's life now. Um, we've got way off topic, but yeah, Tony Atlas going to die quickly. Come, say someone definitively, because if it happens very soon, that'll be amazing. Uh, I'll go for our mascot, King Kong Bundy. King Kong. Oh, okay. Yeah, good shout. And okay. we will have a six-hour but... memorial episode. Ah, man, we should. Although, you know, it wouldn't make any difference to me whether he's alive or dead because he ignores our tweets just the same. Yeah, tubby um, bitch. So, tubby bitch. <laughs> to King Kong Ted Bundy. <laughs> um, so, um, oh, I'm going to do my number three. Is that oh, all right? Go on, then. <laughs> Thanks. Um, we're staying in Japan, yo. Um, it, my number three is Liga! Joshin Thunder! Liga! Hey, is your my number, number three? three? Ah, that's nice. Isn't that, that is nice? nice. I'm in sync. So, um, the first, when's the first time you were aware of Joshin Thunder Liga? Uh, must have been, I must have seen him WCW. I think that was the okay. first time I remember seeing that crazy, crazy anime man. See, I missed him in WCW. I must have never watched the shows that he was on. Um, and so the first time I saw him was on the DVD extras of Hard Knocks, the Chris Benoit story, the DVD that they released oh, yes. of Chris Benoit's life. They got hold of a couple of New Japan matches with Pegasus Kid, Wild Pegasus, and um, the, the first match on those extras is Benoit versus Liger in, I believe, it's a Best of the Super Juniors match. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's brilliant. It's just really, really good. And I, yeah, I'd never seen it before. So just seeing Japanese, that was my first introduction to Japanese wrestling as well. I've never seen Japanese wrestling, and that was the first match I ever watched. I think it's from 1990, which is scary. And um, him and uh, Pegasus, him and Benoit had some of the best matches. Their their chemistry together was great. Um, when they had the mask versus mask match uh, in '91, mm-hmm. another brilliant match. They, they wrestled quite a lot, and they're all worth checking out. Yeah, it's, yeah, they're they're incredible. But Liger, I mean, his outfit's amazing, right? Because he can still wrestle today, and he looks exactly the same as he did in 1990. Because the costume just covers his whole body. It's it's a great idea. More wrestlers should do that. It's brilliant. But I just love that he's like got almost Hulk Hogan status in Japan, hasn't he? As far as like people who don't know anything about wrestling in Japan know who Jushin Thunder Liger is. He's just like this massive star. He completely transcends um, wrestling. But he's always been a super junior or a cruiserweight or a light heavyweight, whatever you want to call it. 
He's never, ever gone to the heavyweight division of New Japan. But he's the biggest star. It's That's awesome. Yeah, it? it's insane. And I'm glad that he kind of stayed. We, when we're talking about cruiserweights, um, when we get to talk about the Milky Way universe, everyone pretty much says Liger, and of course they would. He's held the title 11 times, the light heavyweight championship. Uh, yeah, 11 mm-hmm. times he's held it, which is ridiculous. He, um, oh, what was the stat? Yeah, he's he holds the record for the amount of time he has won the title, as well as the number of days carried. He's held that title for 2,245 total days. Fucking 2,000, my friend. That's mental. How many years a is lot. that? Yeah, um, <laughs> there's <laughs> um, there's also a Jushin Liger movie that exists. Yes, I was just looking that up. Um, that's six years, and by the I way. Have, uh, we're so in sync. Um, that's crazy. Um, I have never seen it because it's impossible to get hold of. It just doesn't exist on DVD anywhere. It's I'm sure it does in Japan, but you just can't get it over here. Um, I want it so badly, and I'm going to um, read the plot. Um, from the Wikipedia page, if you don't it's mind. It's called Jushin because... Thunder Liger, Fist of Thunder. Fist of Thunder. That's a horror movie. Yeah, the cover... It is, it's kind of a horror film. I, think, I don't know, I've seen clips on YouTube and stuff, but um, I, I'm desperate for this. I love, you know, I love bad wrestling films, or just like films with wrestlers in, just anything. I mean, Santa's Slay, I will bring up Till the Cows Come Home. And you need to come over this Christmas and we need to watch it, by the Done. way, Max. Cool. But um, so the, I'm going to read the plot of Jushin Liger, Fist of Thunder. Was it called Fist of Thunder? Yeah. Um, okay. Popular wrestler Jushin Thunder Liger is having fits of dizziness and headaches as he recalls childhood memories of being chased by demons. Helping him is a woman photographer named Miki Azawa. Liger's fears will be realized when a match is announced that will have him in a three way bout against an evil Gaijin wrestler named Bounty Viper played by wrestler Muscle Kitamura, who I've got a New Japan figure of, by the way, and another wrestler named Riot Orf, played by wrestler Shinjiro Otani. I don't know who that is. Viper, in particular, has plans for Liger. Ellipsis. New paragraph. (laughs) When Liger copes with his childhood fears, he gets ready for the three-way wrestling match. When the big fight begins on that night, the fight seems tough for Liger as he realises there's something very peculiar about Bounty Viper. He has demonic powers, similar to the demons that persecuted him as a child. In the course of the fight, Viper displays his wickedness by violently maiming Raya Orf. Liger eventually becomes violent. You just become violent. (laughs) And when he and Viper tear into each other, both wrestlers begin to pulsate and glow with energy. This is getting sexy. In light speed, they dash out of the ring into a deserted street where they transform into demonic versions of themselves open bracket, Liger, of course, resembling his costume self, and Viper superficially resembling a blue version of the Predator, close bracket, and a savage fight to the finish ensues. Tell me that doesn't sound like the greatest It's incredible, and if uh, people just check out the trailer, it's... Oh, it's something. It's it's, it's not good, it's it's something. The acting is so beautifully bad, as, as I can tell from this trailer, that, yeah... I'm, just, I'm desperate for this film. If anyone can get hold of it, please send it to me. I, I think I've got a new goal now. I'm going to I'm gonna try and find it, and we're going to watch it together, and it's going to be glorious. I would All love right, that. I'm on it. Don't you worry. Um, but besides that, he's had a great wrestling career. <laughs> 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 he's been everywhere. You know, he's been... Uh, what has he done? 
Ring of Honor, New Japan, Stampede even wrestled for for a while. Uh, where else has he been? I didn't yes, know that. Yes, he wrestled for Stampede Wrestling um, to an excursion. So his ex- excursion was to go to um, Stampede Wrestling. And uh, oh, I think wow. He... Why isn't Stampede on the I network? I know, right? And he also trained under Hart in the dungeon. Nice. I didn't know that either, actually. I've never, for, for as much as I love Liger, I've never actually looked into his, like, history. Do you know what I mean? Like, his pre-famous days. I've not, I don't know anything about him. Yeah, really. it's quite... Um, he started uh, training in Mexico, which is why he got his love for the um, the masks and uh, the look that he yeah. got. And then he learnt martial arts, did all-star wrestling for a bit, and then did his excursion in Stampede, and then returned to New Japan with his crazy, crazy character. And then from there... Interestingly... One fact I do know is the first time Liger met William Regal um, was at a um, little wrestling show in Cheltenham Town Hall. That is interesting. That is interesting, right? For listeners who don't know, I live in Cheltenham. So, yeah, that is um, interesting. And William Regal divulged that information on Jim Smallman's um, podcast, Jim Smallman being the um, co-founder of Progress Wrestling. Um, William Regal and Robbie Brookside were both on Jim Swarm's podcast and they were talking about Liger and uh, yeah he mentioned that the first time they ever met was in Cheltenham Town Hall I can't imagine Liger walking around Cheltenham it's weird isn't it it was in the pre-Liger days as well so Liger was wrestling under his real name and he was just a Japanese wrestler just like in trunks that's weird that is weird Um, and also let's not forget uh, his one stint in NXT in the most random match of all time Against Tyler Breeze. Which was fantastic. It was the opening of the first NXT Brooklyn, which still is one of my favourite wrestling shows of all time. It's solid top to bottom. Yeah, the whole thing is just fantastic. And it was the and because it was the first big NXT show that they'd ever done, sort of outside of full sale in a big venue, and just seeing them in front of a big crowd and I was well into NXT back then and they felt like my boys and girls, do you know yeah. what I mean? So it was like watching them in front of a big crowd. And they and they sort of a lot of them had special entrances and stuff because they were in a big venue. Do you remember Ty the Breeze came out with um, models dressed as like there was a model dressed as the Statue the of Liberty. And, there was one yeah. dressed as the yeah. Empire State Building, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And he comes out and the selfies. It was just so cool. Just uh, entrances, matches, just the buzz of NXT Takeover Brooklyn One was just awesome yeah. love that and show. to have like on the card i don't think people who are not super into wrestling understand just how huge that was and how ridiculous it how was random yeah, to yeah, see yeah. Liger with tyler breeze's selfie stick taking pictures of himself it was just <laughs> unreal absolutely incredible um <laughs> and so now cool. you see him sitting behind like he still does wrestle but you, you mainly catch him now behind the new japan commentary desk still in mask always in mask I love that he he did the, he had a couple of MMA matches and still wore the yeah, mask. Yeah, he um he lost to Minoru Suzuki, who made him tap out like a little bitch. Yeah, really there you go. Joke. That was in the dark days in New was. Japan. We, we don't talk about those days. Yeah. Um, but Jushin Liger <laughs> is pound for pound the Trailblazer. I think that's the best title to give him. Trailblazer. He's the Trailblazer. <laughs> oh, fucking hell, Jesse. <laughs> He's the leader of what started the cruiserweight movement, I would say. Oh. Wouldn't you? Uh, no, yeah, of course I would. <laughs> uh, there's the controversy about WCW and blah, 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 but we're, we've been talking too long. My number two, because my number three is now gone from Jushin Thunderlager. Sauce. Lol. 
Um, mine is one that I debated putting in because obviously a legend and considered with the. You're getting bored, aren't you? No, I was just slapping the thighs. <laughs> Carry on. Um, it's considered a legend in the cruiserweight division, and most people would put him in there. But it was for a very short stint of time. So my number two is WCW Eddie Guerrero. Ah, nice. See, I I view Eddie Guerrero as so much more than a cruiserweight. That's why he would never have been in this it's, list. It, this is true. It, it's kind of a case of Eddie after WCW is not cruiserweight at all. WCW, WWE never saw him yeah. in that light, and they never put him in that. He was always a tag wrestler. And then he was a main eventer. He was never in the cruiserweight division. But Eddie in the cruiserweight division in WCW was so important. And for me watching him, I detested that bastard. Like, as a kid, he was the first wrestler I hated with a passion. His heel work was so... And what's amazing, right? And, And I've seen this a lot, so I wasn't watching it at the time. But as you know, and as listeners know, one of my favorite matches ever is excuse me um is um <laughs> yes i love it so much this is how much i love it um is Dimalenko versus ultimo dragon at um starcade 96 right and um there's a interview with um eddie guerrero straight after this match so i see that quite a lot because i watch that match because i love it and then it goes on and you see eddie guerrero being interviewed backstage by me and gene ogland and um, Eddie Guerrero is the most bland, boring character you've yep, ever seen I in your life. It. And then, a few months later, you watch WCW, and he's this just incredible heel. And all this personality has come out. You know, you look at, like, the um, 97 Halloween Havoc, Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero, and the amazing heel character that Eddie is in that match. And you think, just a year earlier, he was this bland, with this horrible little moustache and, like, puffy hair... And just the blandest character. Something happened in that year, and he just became this incredible, credible yeah, heel. Yeah, and he um, ran with it and became the most charismatic wrestler there ever was. It was ridiculous. Um, I was going to mention, yeah, the Halloween Havoc match is one of my all-time favourite matches. Number six, because we did our top five favourite matches. It's my sixth favourite match. <laughs> and it wasn't in it. <laughs> but it is, is it? absolutely incredible. It shows how good Ray is. It shows how good Eddie is. And you're right, Eddie's heel work when he starts ripping up because Ray was in that um, just one suit, wasn't he, with the mask attached? And then it was the Riddler suit, all purple yes, with question yeah. marks on it. And then Eddie it? starts ripping yeah. at the eye hole, and it's just evil. He's just evil. I hated Eddie. Yeah, it was kid. awesome. You know this. You know the spot I love in that match. Which one? I could just watch this over and over again. The one and Ray has tried it several times with other opponents and he's never hit it perfectly he's only ever hit it perfectly with eddie in this match when um so he's um locked hands with eddie or one hand with eddie he jumps up onto the top rope still holding eddie's hand does a backflip into a perfect ddt and jesus i could just watch that on repeat all day it's perfect, and you've I've seen Ray try and duplicate it multiple times, and he's never hit it as perfect as he the did. The only in that time match. it's come it close is when he faced Ricochet. That's the only time it's ever been close. But you're right. It's oh yeah, they did. You're right. They did. Um, they did do it quite well, didn't they? In that match, and I think Ricochet, being a mark like we are, sort of wanted to do it yeah, for that reason. 100%. Do you know what I mean? But and and did an amazing job. 
But yeah, yeah. what a spot. What an incredible and spot. The gods were smiling on him. Like the that. wrestling gods who are evil. Um, but Eddie... Yeah. yeah, yeah, he didn't smile on Eddie long <laughs> after that. Eddie in the uh, the cruiserweight division in WCW, he had great matches with, we've mentioned, Dean Malenko, Ultimate Dragon, Rey Mysterio, Chris Jericho. He was just... Oh, on fire in that cruiserweight division. He was just so entertaining to watch. And it, it's what really propelled him. You know, fair play to Eric Bischoff. He gave him the cruiserweight spot and didn't look back. I mean, then Latino yeah. World Order happened and we'll, we'll brush over that. But, you know, prior to that, yeah. great stuff. I, and Eddie, Eddie hated Bischoff. Do you remember some of the stuff he'd like? Um, do you remember that? I throw coffee on myself and those promos and stuff that you do because apparently Bischoff threw coffee in Eddie Guerrero's face. Um, during a heated argument backstage well, once, so Eddie used to reference that quote. In a lot. Eddie's book, he actually um, says that Bischoff accidentally knocked his coffee off the table, and it was a complete accident that he was hit. So very, oh, really? very fabricated. Yeah, that story. But it amazing. I didn't know that. I've got Eddie's book, but I've never actually oh, read it. Oh, it's fantastic. Really good. Yeah, I should do. One of my favorites. But yeah, that promo ways. I've got Eddie's DVD. Eddie's. Have you seen Eddie's DVD, which was also named? Um, so was it? Was the book called Lie, Cheat, and Steal? Uh, cheating. Or no, Cheating, Death, Stealing. Yeah, life. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, Cheating, Death, Stealing, Life. So the book came out, um, which I've got and haven't read, um, but looks good, and you recommend it. That's a good recommendation. Um, there's a DVD also called Cheating, Death, Stealing, Life that came out around the same time. Eddie Guerrero. I bought this is back in 2004. So I bought the Chris Benoit DVD that came out that year. It was awesome. I still think it's one of the best documentaries or just packages of a wrestler's career that DVD that WWE has ever produced is the Chris Benoit Hard Knocks one. So I thought, oh, this Eddie one's going to be the same. The whole DVD is just him driving around New Mexico eating tacos with people. <laughs> and, like, that's, that's all it is. He just... It's, and it's all, like, in the, got this weird sort of filter on it. You know, like, the Breaking Bad filter? Because they're in the desert a lot. It's, really, it's got that sort of I orange hue yeah, like to it. it's, like, to it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole DVD is like that. And it's just Eddie driving around in a lowrider, eating tacos with Mexicans, and then we'll go in, oh, you're Eddie Guerrero. This is awesome. And he's like, yeah, this is great. And then we might cut to Vicky and go like, yeah, he was on drugs. It was sad. And then we just jump straight back to him eating tacos, <laughs> drinking tequila. <laughs> okay, Fabe, never die. Never it's, die. The most, it's the most ridiculous DVD I've ever seen in my life. I promise the book is better. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, I enjoyed, again, like we were saying earlier, when wrestling's bad, it can still be entertaining. But this dude, I was I was expecting a real, you know, in-depth look at Eddie Guerrero's career and um, the troubles he's had and stuff. And all I saw was him eating burritos. <laughs> That's all you ever needed to know, really. I don't, yeah, I, I wasn't even mad. <laughs> but I, I, I do consider, like, Eddie during that time, I, I couldn't have a conversation with favourite Cruiserweight wrestlers and not have him in it. So No, I agree. So, yeah. Well, well, I don't, because he's not on my list, but I, I don't agree. Thank you, buddy. What's your number two? Number two is someone who was brought up earlier and I did my best not to mark the fuck out because um, our guest today, Joe, his father was trained by this man. It is Dean Malenko, who is not only um, he's number two on my cruiserweight list, but as we all know, he number is one in your heart. my number one in my heart. Um, he's my favorite currently living wrestler of all time. <laughs> Jesse wrote a fantastic article on Dean Malenko, which you can find on the Got Till Fiber website. 
Thank you very much, dear. Um, I appreciate that. Um, I did. I forgot I did that. I should write another one. Um, Dean Malenko. Yeah. Uh, so he's number two on this list because I think there's one guy out there who was a, a better cruiserweight. Do you know what I mean? Than like if you're speaking about what makes a cruiserweight a cruiserweight. But Dean Malenko was just obviously what haven't I said about Dean Malenko? He's just a wrestler's wrestler, an absolute talent. Um, made everyone look good. He got a good match out of Scotty Too Hotty at Backlash 2000, which is no short task. Do you, have you seen that match? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sent it to me. Do you remember the finish? Uh, refresh my memory. Dean Malenko grabs... So Scotty Too Hotty goes up top like he's going to hit an elbow drop or something. and um, Or a top rope worm. <laughs> I'd love to see that. <laughs> um, and um, <laughs> But Dean Malenko gets up and stops him. And basically, Dean Malenko is still standing on the floor, but he grabs Scotty yes, Tuhotti, yeah, yeah. who is on the top rope, and hits DDT from the top yeah. rope, and that's the finish. And I've, I've ne- that's the only time I've ever seen that. I've never seen that in any other match or anyone else do it, and it's amazing. It was just a great finish. And I'm not taking... I mean, I'd be facetious about Scotty Tuhotti. He was obviously a talented dude, and he seems like a nice guy as well. I like Scotty Tuhotti. Um, but the f- fact that Dean Malenko got that calibre of match out of someone like Scotty Duhotty is amazing. But before that, Rey Mysterio, his debut in WCW was against Dean Malenko. And obviously, heads turned when Rey Mysterio debuted in America in WCW because his style was so unusual for Americans. Dean Malenko just made Rey look incredible in that match. Just did so, Him being in the Cruiserweight division through WCW as a technical master and someone who never, ever went up top or anything like that, it, every Cruiserweight division needs that. They need a wrestler who is completely grounded and knows how to make the high flyers look amazing. And I've talked about this before. When Dean Malenko, he does it to Ray a lot, snatches that bitch out of the air and just hits him with a powerbomb. Ray thinks he's going to hit some fancy Hurricane runner, and Dean's like, no, I'm not having that shit. Just smashes him straight <laughs> on the floor. Nothing nothing makes me happier than that. That is one of my favourite things in wrestling to watch, just Dean Malenko snatching bitches out of the air. And, yeah, he's just incredible. I think he, he to me, was WCW's cruiserweight division. As in, the, in the same way Okada is New Japan's um, heavyweight division, Ric Flair was 80s wrestling's, you know, whole division just these guys that make everyone else look absolutely amazing. And there's such a skill in that. And he was rewarded for it. You know, he was a four-time Cruiserweight champion in WCW. And I, I like you mm-hmm. say, I associate that bout with him probably the most. Um, yeah. It, it just too. kind of fits with him. And, yeah, he. I, I've got to say, when we were speaking to Joe earlier, how controlled you were to not mark out. I've got to congratulate you on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my dad yeah, was trained you. by Dean Malenko and I used to hang out with him all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, no, well, this is it because it's difficult because I knew that Joe was on to promote his amazing event and everything. And I didn't, I didn't want to just turn the interview to, yeah, okay, that's cool. But this is, this is talk about your dad and Dimalenko and <laughs> all of that for half an hour and not, not recognize why you're here at all. So I, I tried to be professional and thank, thank you for the kudos. <laughs> but, but we will get, but he said, he said he wanted to come back, right? So we will, um, we will get him back on and I can properly grill him about that because I really want to know about it. You trade phone numbers, man. We, we've got like an in. Yeah, right. You just yeah, text him all day, all night, Jesse. You just be like, oh, tell yeah, me about Dean. Send, send, me, 
send me pictures of Dean. Um, no, that'd be awesome. No, we will. We will get him. Can we get him back on, like for a special yeah, show yeah, or something, definitely, definitely. where we can just like we 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 could just bore him about Dean Malenko, just ask him everything in the yes, world. I promise we will do that. Thank you. <laughs> but no, Dean Malenko is um, absolutely fantastic. Obviously, um, WCW is where he shined the most, even ECW to that degree. Uh, WCW was a standout. WWF. Let's not go into that too much. Um, where he made him a ladies' man. I remember him spying on Lita in the shower. Yep. They took one of the greatest technical wrestlers to ever live and made him a pervert. Never even gave him a send-off. He nope. never had a retirement match. He no. just like I don't, I don't even know what his last match was. I think it might have even have been a dark match. It against, was. It was um, against uh, Sin Cara. Was it against Sin Cara? Yeah. Jesus. When, what year was that? Uh, 2007. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So he made appearances saying goodbye to Flair, to Steamboat, and his last actual spot appearance was um, when he was saying goodbye to Steamboat and Nexus attacked. That was uh, his, like, last in-ring thing. Right, okay. But, it's. I mean, that sums up the man. I mean, he's clearly not interested in fame, is he? Or, like, you know, getting over in bunny years, you know? But it's... Um, well, you've always said just... that you want him in a WE video game, but it's never going to happen. I'm... No, I'm desperate for him in the WE video game. I just want to be Dean Malenko in one of the 2K games. I will play as him all the time. But, yeah, it's um, it's not going to happen because he's got no interest in um, being a public figure at all. He's just a passionate, incredible wrestler, and he, I guess he got it out of his system. And he's, he's still getting out of his system because he's doing it the office side. This is true. And, yeah. This, this is someone I didn't know about him. Um, so his last, um, his last in-ring uh, appearance was June 28th. Uh, later in 2010, he suffered a heart attack. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, he was back at work by Survivor Series, but uh, of course he was. And yeah, he was taken <laughs> to hospital and uh, sent home from the European tour in 2013 as well. So maybe we should have added... he was nearly another... Well, he's the he's the only radical that's like... not. I mean, I, if you count Perry Satin, we don't. Uh, Perry Satin's still alive, but he's fucked. And, but Ben Moore and Eddie are gone, so Dean Malenko was nearly, um, nearly part of that list. Yeah, well, I always associate the three of them together. So you said his last in-ring appearance was um, June 2007? No, June 2010. Yeah, his last last match was, from what I'm seeing here, against Sin Cara in 2007. Um, Which was what date? uh, So, February 27th, 2007, he wrestled Sin Cara. Okay. I was just thinking, no, you said June, because I know Benoit died in June 2007, so I was wondering if it was around the same time. No, no, the heart attack happened in uh, 2010. Ah, right, okay. But he seems good now. That's probably why he doesn't wrestle and do anything anymore. But you're right, a send-off would have been nice. I know he wasn't a big deal in WE, but even if it was a video package or, or Summit. But Matt Hardy's retired, and he didn't get a send-off. He got a backstage video and a live event. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's strange, isn't it? it? Again, that sums up um, what I was saying about Matt Hardy. <laughs> Just be like... Pretty unlucky dude, generally speaking. I mean, so is Dimalenko. Look at all of his friends. They're dead. Yeah, because I imagine but when it's... Jeff retires, he's going to get a huge send-off. Oh, yeah, of course he is. He's, yeah, going to fucking... Oh, don't get me started on Jeff Hardy. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, it's, but Dimalenko is the man. And obviously, people who have listened to us for a while are well-versed in Dimalenko. But if we've got new um, listeners, Dimalenko is the greatest wrestler, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And please check him out. 
definitely. Now, I can only presume that our number one is exactly the same. I think it, I think it probably is. He he is he is the definition of what the ultimate cruiserweight should be, in my opinion. He is, and uh, in honor of our sound drop. We'll play it twice. Rey Mysterio Jr. <laughs> is the yes. crown prince Lord Royale of cruiserweight wrestling. There's just he absolutely is no other way around it. He's um, like you know, AAA was a star, Extreme Championship Wrestling, and then WCW was kind of the oh shit, what's this? This turned the eyes yeah. onto that first hour of um, Monday Nitro, and just was like. What's this? What are these guys doing? And Ray was the pinnacle of that. Uh, you got yeah. this guy. You know, you didn't see wrestlers that were five, four, five, six, whatever he is, uh, doing the stuff that he <laughs> did and doing it so well. You talk about how smooth uh, Neville is. Ray is just on that level, if not higher. It's it's insane. Yeah, or he certainly was. You know, in his prime and. Uh, there's stories out there of um, Ray's WCW debut um, when he sort of turned up, you know, on his first day at WCW for the um, show. I can't remember what the show was. Um, Bash at the Beach? American Great Bash? American Bash. Two? Great American Bash against Dimalenko. But he turns up in the locker room and just imagine turning up in that locker room and you've got like Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and people like that. They just look at him and they just like laugh at his face. They're like, oh my, what is this? You know, that yeah. wasn't American wrestling at the time. The dude's, like, shorter than me. He's, what, what is he, five foot six? Like, that's ridiculous. And yet, he goes out there, and it only takes, I think it takes, and again, Dean Malenko has massive thanks for this as well, it takes 45 seconds of that match, and everyone's like, this is the greatest thing we've ever seen in our lives. Like, yeah. Rey Mysterio is amazing. Like, he's just flipping around in a way in the mid-90s that no one had ever seen before. It's... Oh, is it, I, I, you can't even... I mean, we've talked about Neville, we've talked about Ibushi, we've talked about um, just all these sort of flippy guys, and Ray invented that, really. I mean, or he certainly he, pop, he you know, innovated it, it popularised it, it to the yeah. States. Yeah, exactly. And Japan, to a certain extent. I mean, I know, you know, he um, wrestled in Japan. He was one of the first Mexicans to regularly wrestle in Japan, so he he brought it over there as well in many ways. And just, yeah, just incredible. Just an absolute trailblazer. And he, every wrestler that's ever done a backflip has Rey Mysterio to thank. Well, the amount of influence that he's had, you, you look at any guy that does flippy shit now, Rey Mysterio's their influence. He's, he's such a huge impact on the business in general. And the feuds he's had, uh, Juventud, Psychosis, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Chris Jericho, the, the, he just had... Great. He even got great matches out of Conan. <laughs> he did. I like Conan. I don't understand. A lot of people don't like Conan, including you, and I don't see what's wrong with him. What was wrong with Conan? <sighs> He's just Conan, Jesse. <laughs> it's just, it's just, <laughs> it's unexplainable what's wrong with Conan. He's just. Uh... I I enjoyed him in WCW when he was in the US title scene. That was great. That was like what ninety six, I think it was. That was really good times. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but. We're not here to talk. Let's not talk about Conan. Well, let's talk about Ray. Okay. So, so Ray... There's a bit, just just quickly, there's a bit at the, um, I think it might even be the same show, The Great American Bash. Conan is having a match with, 
I think it's um, I think it's Ric Flair for the US title, and um, and he's and Ric Flair has um, Elizabeth on his side at that time because she defected from Macho Man and joined the Horsemen, and so Conan's doing an interview backstage with me and Gene, and he's like, he's like, look, um, Rick. If you come near me, I'm going to punch you. If you bring Elizabeth down, I'm going to punch her. He's just going to punch every mad woman and child that comes near him. Gotta love him. Gotta love him. And so, Ray in WCW was, as we mentioned, trailblazer in the cruiserweight division, and he found success afterwards, even after he lost his mask, which was, like, criminal to happen. Um, Good old WCW. Never forgive him for that. Terror, yeah, I agree. I did. I didn't want to know that um, Rey Mysterio looked like a little baby Mexican MMM. <laughs> he really does. Um, but then <laughs> after WCW, he's one of the rare WCW stars that found massive success in WE. Yes, I don't think absolutely. anyone can have the success that wasn't already WE made to come into WCW, uh, dominate the cruiserweight and tag division, which he did from 2002 to 2004. Um, then had all the great stuff with Eddie, and then went on to become a world champion and a WE champion. This guy is 5'6", weighs nothing, and he's world champion and a WE champion. I think Eddie has a lot to thank for that. He does. Um, but but, uh, but that is funny, isn't it? Like, um, you sort of... Eddie dies, and then... Uh, that's not the funny bit. And then um, it's the management, you know, Vince is like, we should honour it. We should um, we should get someone close to Eddie to be champion, and it'll be like a great homage to Eddie Guerrero. And Chavo's sitting there like a dog, like sort of with his back straight, and he's like, "Yeah, this sounds awesome. This, this is going to be great." And he's like, "Yeah, Rey Mysterio." This <laughs> like, like just go go for like the marketable guy, like over. It's like Chavo. I know that you were like absolutely related to it. There was no one closer than Eddie and Chavo. But you're just not you're not marketable kid, you're not good enough looking, so we're gonna stick it on Ray. Stick it on yep. Ray. He's Mexican, he'll do. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um and yeah, he became the first ever um well, the twenty first triple crown, but I think the first one in his weight class to ever reach the triple crown status. Because he was intercontinental champion for a while as well. And mm. the success he found in WE, as you say, the mark- marketability of him is just through the roof. Kids love him, adults love him. As you've mentioned loads of times before, Rey Mysterio is um, a lot of people's gateway drug into wrestling. You show someone a Rey Mysterio match, they go, oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. He's everyone's favourite wrestler at some point. Like, every, every wrestling fan that started watching wrestling after Rey Mysterio debuted um, has would have said Rey Mysterio is their favourite wrestler at some point on their wrestling journey. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Rey Mysterio is the king of the cruiserweights. Sorry, Neville. And um, there's no one better. And if you're not no. familiar with Rey's work, again, confusing, um, or you know of him, go watch a lot of his matches. You you won't be disappointed. <laughs> go watch. Off the top of our heads, what's some amazing Rey Mysterio matches? Like um, SummerSlam 2002 against Kurt Angle. That was Rey Mysterio's first WWE pay-per-view match. That's awesome. It's eight minutes long. It's a relatively short match, but it's just bang, bang, bang. Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio at their best. That's awesome. We've talked about Ray and Billy Kidman against the world's greatest tag team at Vengeance 2003. Yep. That's a super underrated match. Just got some amazing moments in it. 
Um, One. Eddie versus Ray. Sorry? No, go on. Eddie versus Ray at Halloween Havoc 97. Um, I was talking about that amazing DDT spot. For that alone, you need to watch this match. Um, Ray, what else has Ray done? So That's incredible. One I, mean, I wanted to mention earlier is Ray Mysterio versus Kidman for the Cruiserweight Championship. That was Nitro back in 99. That is one of nice. the best matches that he's put on, and him and Kidman. Um, Ray and Dean Malenko, Halloween Havoc 96, another great one. Uh, what else has been a good one? Rey Mysterio, Chris Jericho is a match I always talk about. It was um, Intercontinental. Is this the WWE one when he took his mask off? It? Yeah, it was Intercontinental title versus the mask, and they did some yes. great work with the chair, and it, it's fantastic. Um, Ultimo Dragon when he challenged for the J Crown Championship is another good one. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's been some matches with Hooventude and the No Mercy match, obviously. But- yes. Um- Yes, oh yeah, the No Mercy tag match um, is incredible. Um, the No Mercy 2002, that is. Um, Ray versus Eddie in WWE when Eddie turned heel and it turned out that he fathered Ray's son, Dominic. <laughs> uh, that was a special storyline. We all enjoyed that. And they had a pretty good um, ladder match at SummerSlam. Um, which I think Where the fuck is Vicky? I think at the top of the ladder was um, like the papers. adoption yep. papers for Dominic or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dominic was in the front row. And Dominic is training to be a wrestler now. He's huge. Yeah, well, compared to... No, he's actually <laughs> huge. He's a big guy. Oh, yeah, really? he's a really big guy. Oh, interesting. Uh, I don't... That'd be cool. I hope, I, hope he, I hope he does well. I wish him all the best. I love um, seeing... I mean, it's, it makes me feel old and a bit sad, but I, I also love seeing kids of wrestlers I loved become good. You know, like Brian Pillman Jr. is doing it at the moment, isn't he? Um, just becoming this incredible wrestler on the scene and it's great because I absolutely love Brian Pillman so it's great that that legacy is carrying who on who were we talking to that they were just casual oh Steve Steve just casually interviewing Brian Pillman Jr oh yeah that's ridiculous yeah Steve I know you listen to these hook us up son son uh, so yeah Rey Mysterio we've just rattled off 10 matches off the top of our head and that's not without even trying so there's a lot of good out there there's a lot of good yeah, um, he's good. He had a great he had a great showing at the last Royal Rumble. He did when he was um, when he came back. I thought he was fantastic in the Royal. I Rumble. think he's in the best shape he's ever been. Now there was the period a couple of years back where he went a bit. I work out at the gym, wink, wink, really hard. Uh, but now he's kind of slimmed <laughs> down and he's gone back to like a really lean weight and he looks really good again. Yeah, yeah. Although I'm not mad on his chest tattoo because it sort of looks like he's wearing a lacy bra. You're not wrong, actually. Thanks for ruining that. Yeah, sorry. Every time you look at his chest out, you'll just see a lacy bra. Thanks, bud. Um, so <laughs> those are our top fives of uh, favourite Cruiserweight wrestlers. We went to the Got Till 5 Milky Way universe and you guys came out in spades. That lot! That lot, Jesse. We asked who are the greatest Cruiserweights of all time and whew, you guys had some opinions. But obviously, let's just talk about the most popular one, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. Everyone agrees. Liger! Or someone says we have to pronounce it Jushin Sanda Raiga, which is how it's going to be. Rey Mysterio, obviously, Ultimo Dragon, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho came up a lot in this uh, discussion. Nice, yeah. I mean, speaking in WCW terms, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Chris Benoit as well was mentioned quite a bit. Uh, yeah, that's a difficult one. I mean, in Japan, absolutely. And in WCW. He sort of flirted with it a bit, but not much. I mean, he was... Even throughout his WCW career, he was 
taken you know he was uh, booked as a heavyweight throughout pretty much his entire career yeah, completely uh another despite being one that tiny, came relatively up, tiny. which i always found a bit weird uh dynamite kid got mentioned quite a bit ah that's interesting um see again uh, i mean obviously yes he 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 would be considered a cruiserweight he competed in japan for the junior heavyweight title and stuff and but he didn't even enter my head you know how much i love dynamite exactly kid. in ring only but um <laughs> it's <laughs> but yeah um yeah didn't even enter my brain but yeah good shout whoever said yeah. that uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not reading names, but you know who you are because you said it. Uh, Tiger Mask One <laughs> uh, was another good shout. This okay, so this is the one that I was kind of flicking between. I was like, I want to put my list, but I don't want to take out Eddie. Uh, Juice Juventud Guerrero, fucking loved Juventud. He was um, uh, one of the main staples of that WCW clan of great cruiserweight wrestlers. Yeah, Psychosis and him obviously deserve mentions, but Juice just ah, oh, I loved him. Absolutely loved Juventud. Yeah, no, I I kind of agree. I, d- I don't know. Like, obviously, he's very talented, but I think when I was a kid, it was it was just one one mask do too many for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I sort of checked out at that point. I'd already decided I love Ray and I love Psychosis. <laughs> That's enough. And who? That was enough. Yeah. <laughs> Psychosis needs like obviously his career died when he got unmasked, but Psychosis um, yes. had the Liger look down. He was a big dude. And he had the the big horns. He just looked so cool. Yeah, if he kept, if he'd never been unmasked and kept that attire, he could still be um, making good money now. I think because um, he would look exactly the same as Liger does, you know, in that sort of costume. And Liger can. I mean, you actually watch Liger wrestle now. You know, he's an old man. 54. He's in his fifties. Yeah, that's crazy. And to put that in perspective, Ric Flair retired at fifty six, and. He looked awful. Ric Flair was always yeah. good. I mean, he, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so God knows what's going on under Liger's costume. I mean, he takes that suit but, off, it's just... But, <laughs> all falls out. It still comes out, like Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> but <laughs> but, he, the um, but he, he, he books himself very smartly in New Japan. He only really does six-man tags and stuff and just gets his shit in and looks great, never looks bad, and everyone loves it. It's great. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, Takamichinoko, very, very good shout there. Um, very good shout. Very important. It didn't even enter my head there. Uh, more nice. Ray, more Jushin. <laughs> I like this one. Mr. Rook of the Year and current registered nurse, Blitzkrieg from the dying WCW days. Do you remember Blitzkrieg? Uh, no, I can't say he I He was do. like this, not Nazi, was a Nazi. Uh, wrestled in a mask, was very entertaining. But he literally just retired when WCW ended. And that was it. He just oh, really? Never, just, he was yeah, done. Just done. Uh, Tiger Mask. Yeah. Do you remember, speaking of, sorry, speaking of Nazi wrestlers, do you remember um, <laughs> me and Rob um, created the fourth oh, ride yes. on one of the WWE games? I do. <laughs> Aryan twin brothers. They were an amazing tag team, the fourth ride. <laughs> that was um, one of my favourite creations. They got over. They got over. Um, oh, who, what else? Oh, this guy's gone. No, I'm not reading all of them. There's too many Mexican names for me to pronounce. Um, Gregory Helms, that's an interesting one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, that's good. Well, I mean, the Hurricane is... Um, I'm a big fan of the Hurricane. Well, he's come up three times from me scrolling. Hurricane and Jamie Noble have come up. Ah, uh, yeah, J- Jamie Noble was great as well. Jamie Noble is obviously a fantastic wrestler and very talented um, agent now as well. Um, but, um, I don't know, it's, it's not these wrestlers' faults, but there's a lot of good talents out there that just didn't get given the TV time they deserved. And as a result, 
they're quite easily forgotten. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, oh, some good ones, yeah. Finn Balor maybe can be added. Ultimo Dragon is someone we haven't really spoken about. I, I never really watched Dragon much. Um, I really pretty much knew him when he debuted in WE, and then I went back and looked, researched him. Uh, but I kind of missed a Dragon train there. He still wrestles today, I believe. I think I saw him on an indie poster um, very recently, um, which is crazy. But yeah, Ultimo Dragon, I mean, we talked about earlier, Dimalenko, Ultimo Dragon, the opening of Starcade, 90s. I always forget who's to be six and seven. I think it's 97 yeah. or six, one of them. Um, but um, it's a fantastic match. Oh, my dragon's amazing. And yeah, just this legendary wrestler. He had this thing going with um, all the belts that he had. And then, but uh, all of the amazing wrestling that I saw Ultimo Dragon do, my overriding memory of Ultimo Dragon will always be when he came out of WrestleMania 20, tripped over his own cape and his fire pyro nearly killed him. And then he tripped over in the rope in the ring. Oh yeah! Yeah, (laughs) He almost died three times that night. And I think it's actually actually cut out. It's cut out of the DVD and I can only imagine it's cut out of the network version as well of WrestleMania 20. But we watched it live and I know for a a fact that Ultimate Dragon tripped over his cape and his flame pyro came up and nearly destroyed him. (laughs) No one can tell us differently. Uh... Exactly, I know it happened. Does Tai Chi still count? No, don't mention that name in this house. You. What a beautiful voice he has. Shut up, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think everyone's on the same kind of page. Lots of love for Dean Malenko, which is cool. Uh, but Excellent. a lot of people are saying Ray, Liger, and Dragon um, are the top cruiserweights, and you know we can't disagree because we put them in our list. Yeah, absolutely. I, Ultimo Dragon is an interesting one that I hadn't considered that much. And I, I understand that he's incredible and the respect he garners and stuff. But if I'm being completely honest with you, I haven't actually seen that much Ultimo Dragon. Yeah, that's what yeah, I was I could, I, could, I could probably count on one hand the amount of Ultimo Dragon matches I've seen. Yeah, exactly. Might be something we go back and review. Who knows? But yeah, absolutely. I think we've covered the, uh, the Cruiserweight division in depth and we've uh, given everyone some good matches to go back and watch. And maybe some wrestlers that you've forgotten about. And you're like, oh, let's go check them out. Know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying, brother. Yeah, boy. Um, Thank you to Joe at the start of the podcast there for that great interview. Remember, it's Mark and Mark Promotions, uh, Bowling with Brawlers. If you're in the Tampa area, go and check it out. You will feel good. And you're giving a kid a lifetime opportunity. So it's a really, really cool thing that they're doing down there. Um, I've enjoyed this, Jesse. Me too. That was nice. Yeah, and thanks, Joe. He, he seemed like a really nice, chill dude, didn't he? That was um, really nice to, to have an interview like that. How did we get in touch with him? What happened there? Oh, I don't know. I think he reached out to me first. Yeah, he reached out to us, and then we chatted for a bit, and uh, I said, do you want to come on and do a plug? And he was like, yeah, sure, why not? Oh, that's nice. I know, right? Um, so... We're going to try and have another interview for the next episode. Let's see how long I can keep this going. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Come on, mate. I've got this, Jesse. Don't you worry. And, um, yeah, stay tuned to the social medias. We're going to be posting about the Bowling with Brawlers. And uh, I'm sure we'll have an update for you once the event is over as well. We'll also tell you what the um, next top five is when we decide on it. And, yeah, just <laughs> get in contact. Have a chat with us. We, uh, we like hearing nice from one. you lot. And it's very nice to speak to you. Yeah, happy um, new podcast year, brother. Let's do this, man. Let's make it better than the first year. Yeah, man, we're going to smash it. Felt fluid today. Feel good. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope to see you here in two weeks' time. Find us everywhere at Got Till Five. We're everywhere. It's fine. And um, have a pleasant two weeks, and we'll speak to you soon. Goodbye, my loves. Goodbye. You have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five.